Welcome back to The Josh Lozano Show. My name is Josh Lozano, and I have a very special guest today, Nick Stanton. Nick is currently the pastor of worship arts at WCC here in Warsaw, Indiana. He's been leading worship for 20 years since becoming a Christian back in 1999, and he's served at WCC for 12 years, written and recorded three full-length albums that all went, he says, aluminum. <laughs> that means that they sold over 100. He's also shared the stage with many Christian artists, including Stephen Curtis Chapman, Jeremy Camp, Jars of Clay, Brandon Heath, Sidewalk Prophets, the list goes on and on. He's also studied music and Christian ministry at Anderson University and studied local church ministry at Grace Theological Seminary, which is where we actually met. Three years ago, he helped plant Plymouth Community Church in Plymouth, Indiana, and later on after that, helped with Harvest Lakeshore Church in St. Joe, Michigan. And I am glad that he finally moved back to Warsaw, Indiana, where he has agreed to come on to his first ever podcast. Hello, Nick. Hello. Hey, thanks for having me. This is great. It's my first time on a podcast. So <laughs> Today, I wanted to talk to Nick about keeping rich theology in worship music and what that looks like for the average pastor, for the average layperson, how they can spot those things and how they can cultivate rich theology, rich doctrine on Sunday mornings, on Wednesday nights, on whenever it is that they meet. So I can't think of anybody better to have speaking on this topic than Nick Stanton. Nick, before we get into our episode today, how have you been doing and how have you been dealing with this sort of voluntary house arrest due to the coronavirus? It's good to talk to somebody. I'm like an extrovert, so <laughs> I uh, find myself trying to have conversations with the FedEx guy and other people that drive by the house. But um, yeah, uh, we, you know, we've got two small kids, so it's been interesting to try and do e-learning and do our jobs and everything from home. But as you can see, I actually showered today for this episode. So uh, uh, for those of you listening, you can only imagine what <laughs> I look like. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I go through ups and downs. I think like everybody seems like I'm going to lose my mind at times because I just for so many unknowns. And then I remember, oh yeah, I should probably, you know, give this to the Lord. So uh, trying to get into better habits of getting up early and before the kids get up, so before chaos starts. One thing that I've seen noticed recently is you've been doing a lot of Facebook videos and Facebook Live videos, and even just a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was like a week ago, I saw a video with you and your wife doing a couple's worship time where you were bringing other people on Facebook to worship with you guys, and that was just such an uplifting and encouraging moment to be able to watch you guys do that and to participate on my end of things. And so I was singing with you guys while you were singing, and so it's really great to see people like yourself reaching out, even in creative ways like that, to make sure that we're cultivating worship wherever we are. So, so I appreciate that. Yeah, and we just actually this past Sunday for WCC, we recorded our whole family <laughs> leading worship. So the kids got involved too. So had a little family worship time. Oh, that's cool. That, that was chaos, but it was, it was a lot of fun. But yeah, my wife and I, that's kind of how we met was through just at Anderson actually, um, and worship was one of the things, music, worship music was one of the things that really drew us together. So you've been reaching out to people and, and through Facebook Lives and, and you, know, you still probably work from home quite a bit while you're working for the church as their pastor of worship arts for WCC. But what's it been like trying to keep up with your people there in, during these times? I mean, I know that people are scared maybe right now or just anxious a little bit. 
what how what have you kind of noticed on the ground as a pastor and sort of going outside of music for a moment but what's been kind of happening with you so far yeah well thankfully i I work at a church with several pastors and several people that can do the work of the ministry including you know lots of volunteers and you know i found that just reaching out with a personal phone call or a handwritten letter i know our church has called over i think over a thousand people now you know and when we make those calls we we kind of keep note like is this person uh, in need of assistance financially or deliver groceries, you know? So we're just trying to kind of go old school, you know, um, and just do phone calls and letters and emails and things like that. And then we've also tried to partner with different places in the community that are already doing really well with supporting those who, who are in need. And, and, uh, and so my wife works for intercession group and, they've been able to really mobilize a lot of people together to get a lot of things done, like, you know, getting groceries for people at Grace Village and places like that. Yeah, on the worship side of things, just trying to involve our worship team. You know, we've got over 30 worship team members. Um, Like this weekend, we're we're doing a choir of vocalists singing it as well. And um, it's going to be kind of like a Zoom choir. If you've seen some of those floating around on the internet, we're going to do something similar to that just to involve them. And I think what people miss is seeing each other, you know, and uh, and so trying to involve as many people as possible. So you're just not always seeing my face or the preaching pastor's face or whatever. So one thing you mentioned just a moment ago was the intercession group. Can you speak just for a few moments on what that is? Because some of the listeners, I'm sure, don't know what that is. Yeah, um, intercession group, they're really known for um, interceding between businesses and partnering businesses and churches and schools and and just trying to get things done in the community to help, you know, rally around uh, influential leaders. They're about leadership and influencing leadership. So one of the, the big things that they put on each year is the Global Leadership Summit that's hosted at Warsaw Community High School. Yeah, Jerry Purdy is the, the the director of that there, and and my wife is one of the program managers or something like that. I don't know something important she does. Yeah. So what you could do if you want to learn more about the intercession group is go to Facebook and just search their name in Facebook, and I'm sure that many things will come up. So kind of switching gears a little bit here, I I, I wanted to talk to you about how we can ensure that churches keep rich theology and music. And one of the reasons that I thought of you, apart from just your clear giftings in music is your heart for people but then also i've noticed a growth in you over a period of time even in the short period of time that you and i have known each other since seminary surely seminary stretched you theologically as well as just in every other way because you were a family man while you were going into seminary so that was rough enough but how were you stretched maybe theologically or just philosophically while you were doing seminary at grace theological seminary yeah, I, I felt very overwhelmed drinking from the fire hose when I was in seminary. I was reading a book, actually, I think John Piper maybe wrote it about how to stay Christian while in seminary. <laughs> you know, I, I went into seminary pretty um, naive to just theology and doctrine in general. And I mean, I was your token worship leader from, uh, you know, big mega churches and you know, uh, with the hairdo and the skinny jeans and all that, and just wanting to, um, you know, stir up emotion. And uh, it's kind of like the analogy of 
if you've ever been in the Southern Indiana where I grew up, there's hills and valleys and there's some, you know, hollers as we call them. And you think you've seen, you know, a Canyon until you actually see the Grand Canyon. And, you know, you, you go from like four by three to panoramic and you, you get a bigger picture of who God is. And that's what seminary did for me. And, really enriched my understanding of what it means to worship that we, we worship more than just, it's not just feelings and, you know, love songs to God. I think there's place for that. But so what seminary really did was it expanded my mind to see the grandeur of God, which ultimately fueled my worship. I think right theology fuels worship, right doctrine fuels worship. And so I think I I became a better worship pastor because of that, not, not in, skill or music, but I'm just able to know how to pastor. And to that point, would you say that your definition of worship, the, the word worship, kind of changed or, or morphed in any way from before seminary to even now? Well, sure. I think, you know, worship uh, was always thought of as like, you know, the 20 minutes before the sermon or singing, you know, and now, you know, knowing that Worship is is when you're ascribing worth to God and not just in singing, but in all aspects of life and that we were created to worship. We, by nature, will worship. I think it was Jared C. Wilson that says our worship switch is always set to on. And and so you're going to be worshiping something. The question is, are you worshiping the right thing? And are you giving the right ascription to God who's worthy of that? And so... Yeah, and so now it's, yeah, we worship through singing, we worship in prayer, we worship in the Word and the proclamation of the Word, and um, yeah, and so it definitely another way that it's expanded my horizons when it comes to worship. And with that said, what's the first thing that comes into your mind when you think about modern worship music? Maybe even make it a little bit more specific, contemporary Christian music, because there are, there are two camps, you know, or maybe more than that. But. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, you have, you know, the industry of uh, CCM, you know, K-Love music. And on the other hand, you have the industry of live worship, experiential music. You know, one's probably going to be on the radio when you're, you're driving around and you listen to K-Love. And the other is going to be, maybe you hear it on, on the radio, but uh, more likely, you know, you'll see it on YouTube or Facebook or, or you'll hear an album on on spotify or itunes and and so uh both are industries i mean i i dipped my toe in the business of christian music and realized man i i don't want it that bad i you know it's it's a business for a reason Uh, and there are great people within uh, the people that i've met are, are some of them are incredible but there's a lot of ugly side of that too because of the business side of it you know, with, with modern worship, there, there's a lot of platitudes, like fluffy platitudes you'll hear on the radio, especially not that I want to like broad brush stroke everything that you hear on the radio, but you will hear songs that seem uh, to say, you know, here's my problem, then God, and now all my problems are solved when we know that that's not life, you know, life is messy. And so, and then, you know, just the very broad kind of generalizations of God, the char- characteristics of God and his love. And you could 
some songs you could replace the word Jesus and put in baby and it could be a love song, you know, uh, on pop radio. And you've also has really great songs as well. You know, uh, worship music, modern worship music. Uh, I, I know there's probably like the top five bands that everybody is waiting for the next album to come out. Probably like a monopoly of probably about five bands. And a lot of those can be highly emotive. I think there's good songs that they, they write. And a lot of times some of the songs aren't even, they didn't even write those songs. Somebody like, for instance, the song Waymaker, really popular right now. People think Bethel did it, but it's a worship leader in Africa wrote it. So it's just who, who's capitalizing on the market of worship music at the time. That's, those are just things people don't realize. And it's not, you know, it's, I think it's great when you can sing other people's worship songs. Um, and we should sing a new song to the Lord. But when they when they become emotive, like always driven by emotions and the seven eleven songs as you know, that are like sing seven words eleven times over and over again until you start feeling something. And I think there's somewhat of a danger in that if you're only singing or listening to worship music that's emotive. There needs to be substantive truth. Yeah, and all of what you said reminds me of the many times in Scripture when Jesus calls us to come and die with Him, or to to suffer for His sake, or to you know, and that means different things to different people. Not everybody is going to be a martyr, but but the point is to be willing to to do that and to have a heart of a martyr, have a heart of a the, of a suffering servant like Jesus did. And a lot of times, I don't I don't see that as much in at least the, well the modern worship music. And again, it's not a broad brush because I do see it sometimes. A song will come out and I'll be and I'll think to myself, that was the most amazing song I've ever heard, and I'm closer to God as a result of that. You know what I mean? That happens. But it, it's it seems to be fewer and further between. Or is it just me? Yeah, I mean I I think that it depends on what you're looking for. With modern worship, the great thing is is that you can record uh, in your home now. You can record a song in your home, and I try and um, I try and stay up to date with those those you know uh, big big names that are always cranking out music. But then I but I don't want that to be the norm. I want to like look on the fringe. What are the fringe songs that are coming to the surface that the church is writing? Because it's one thing to have a, a song that you hear on the radio and you think, oh, that's really great. And then, you know, I'll get a text like, oh, we need to do this song, you know, and we're, you know, and at, at church. And I'm like, that's actually not a corporate worship song. Like I, it doesn't fit in a category for the order of worship and, and you know, and, and how we structure worship. And so it's a great song, but is that a song that we can sing together? And so I'm looking for songs that are, that are birthed out of churches, not birthed out of concerts or entertainment, you know, movements, uh, because those are the song, the newer, the new songs that churches are writing. Like it, I think it's, it's great when there's new, I love when a new song that just speaks such great truth. So I, I think it's not about it being less. It's just about what are you looking for and what are you hearing? And if you're only tuning into K-Love and whatever the latest Bethel or Elevation Hillsong, you know, is coming out, then yeah, you might think, well, I don't, I don't know if this is substantive or not, or if it's theologically accurate or not. 
And then you have really rich theology and doctrinal music that's very bland and emotionless, you know, and then really cotton candy air-filled epic music that's just got nothing in it, you know, like, what am I even singing about? You know, you find yourself like, but I also know that within those two sides of extremes, you know, that let's say more of a a reform camp uh, could be said, said that, well, there's no, there's no heart and feeling in their worship, but I, I would disagree. You know, there's, there can be a lot of that within a Bible preaching reform type of church but that I've also heard in more charismatic context of uh, music that's very rich theologically as well. So we can't assume or paint a broad stroke just because of the tradition that we think is bland or whatever. Um, I think they need to learn from each other and grow from each other because reformers can learn a lot from the charismatic camps and, and, and both sides can learn from, from each other. I think it also has to do with how is your order of worship structured. So what might you say is an example, like a really good example of modern worship music that isn't theologically rich or even accurate? I don't want you to, you know, it's not that I'm trying to get you to call out a person or a songwriter or anything like that, but just as an example of the fact that these things do happen everywhere. Oh, yeah. And you can have the same song be very theologically rich, and then I'll, and then there's one line that's like, wait, what? Like one of the songs that's more of a modern song. I think it's called Cornerstone, and um, it's 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 kind of taken the old "On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand" hymn and then modernized it. And um, at the end, I think the verse says, "When He shall come with trumpet sound, oh may I then in Him be found." And I actually, I've changed that lyric when we've sung it. And I've said, oh, I will then in him be found. It's, it's not a maybe, it's I will be found and dressed in his righteousness. And, and so, and that whole song is like, great, except like that one line is just like, wait, what? You know, I know there's been a lot of debate around reckless love. You know, that's a, a modern song that everybody seems to love. And then yet there's been a lot of debate around it because of the uh, nature of the word reckless. And can God actually be reckless? And I've often thought about it in a songwriter's perspective, because I've written a lot of songs and maybe a handful would be corporate worship songs. And there's sometimes you want to describe something uh, like, you know, God leaving 99 to go after the one would be a reckless move. And I kind of like if my son were all of a sudden be running out into traffic and I would be throwing over tables and pushing people aside and being reckless just to just to, to go and, and grab him. So, so one of the things I do is, is with our worship team, like, cause we, we have worship leaders and volunteer worship leaders, and we want to kind of give them the steering wheel when it comes to, to worship, but there has to be training and there has to be equipping involved. And one of the things I, I, I kind of have like a system that we go through coming to new songs, always look for theological gaps, always look for, you know, gospel absence, avoid ambiguous lyrics you know, singing about rainbows and unicorns, like up in the sky with Jesus or whatever, you know, it's like, what are we singing about again? And just, just filtering through, you know, like, is this rooted in scripture? Is there somewhere in scripture where I can find this? And then, uh, sorry if you hear my kids screaming, um, they're in quarantine, but, um, you know, um, and, and I think 
though also when you think about some of the Psalms that were written, like, uh, you know, David or Asaph and uh, Moses, you know, has written Psalms. And um, I think you mentioned the sons of Korah. You know, if you look at some of those Psalms, like some of the, the Psalms of Lament, I mean, <laughs> you know, could you imagine a modern worship song saying, break the teeth of my enemy? God, <laughs> you know, break the teeth. You know, and I think there's there should be some sort of authenticity in songwriting, especially worship songs. Um, I mean, one of my favorite psalms by Asaph is Psalm 77, where he talks about like, has God forgotten me? Has he is he left me? Is you know is he even there? And then he says, No, I will remember what the Lord has done. You know, I I will think on what he's done. And I think the 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 modern worship songs that we we can maybe look at under a microscope. I think it's good to to dig further, maybe maybe avoid those songs, because there are lots of songs about the different characteristics of God. Choose a different song or maybe tweak the lyrics, you know? I mean, yeah. And then I think part of what you're saying too is that if we're too harsh with music, you know, if we if we nitpick at every little aspect of the song and every part of the doctrine that they're trying to teach or whatever it might be, we're, we're really going to find, you know, nobody has perfect doctrine apart from the scriptures, right? So I think that sometimes the church makes it worse for herself when she's just nitpicking all the time and when she could have been rejoicing in the theological truth that she believes and she didn't have to nitpick and, and you know, even ignore some of this really great music that stirs the soul, even if it's not exactly deep down the well, you know, as long as it's accurate and soul stirring. When Paul says, sing to one another, you know, or admonish one another with hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs, like those are, those are three different categories, you know, and then let the word of Christ dwell in your hearts richly. I think it's different categories of songs. Hymns are very much doctrinal statements and Songs of the Spirit are very much, um, you know, kind of that, that groaning of the Spirit types of songs. Um, psalms, you know, are kind of like, you know, where I am and where God is kind of positioning. If you look at a lot of those the psalms, if you have and you, and you let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So there should be in a worship service, uh, you should see all of those aspects within worship. And that's why I, I often say if it's, if it's for corporate worship, um, all of those things will flow together. And I, I like to think of it as climbing a mountain where we are ascending the hill of the Lord. And what's the purpose of ascending? Well, we start, we come into the church or right now we're, you know, joining the church online, but, but we're starting here. This is where we're at. You know, it's kind of a, Hey, we need to remind each other of the truth, you know, a song that's a gathering song. And then as we ascend that hill, um, getting into songs like songs of confession, uh, songs of testimony. What's God's? What what is? What have we seen Him do? Um, and then songs of ascription that are fully ascriptive. No longer am I singing personal pronoun types. I mean, how many worship songs have you heard that have to do more about you than about God? Right. That doesn't mean we we exclude those. But when we ascend the hill, we want to get to this place where now we're singing fully to God about God that he is holy, he is worthy, he is on his throne. And, uh, and, and what happens at that 
that point, that peak of the mountain is I think when we read Second um, Corinthians 3.18, where it says that, um, and with unveiled faces, as we behold the glory of Christ, we are transformed into his image. And that should be the point every week when we gather and worship is that we are being transformed by seeing him, by beholding. That's how we're changed. That's how we're transformed is by beholding. And so if the worship isn't, isn't pointing us in that direction, then we need to take that, uh, that song or that line or, or whatever element of the service, we need to take that out of there. Nick, there are so many other things that I would like to talk to you about, um, but we are just we're running out of time. Would it be okay if if I, we could do another future episode together yeah, on the sure. same topic and just kind of expand some of the things that you've said? This is just it's it's so rich. <laughs> I'll let you know. We'll 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 get together again and do this. Yeah, we'll do um, part two. But before I let you go here, let people know where they can find you, where they can find your church. Yeah, uh, I'm at Warsaw Community Church in Warsaw, and um, uh, there's some of my previous sermons. I, I, I do some preaching as well, and um, they're on there. There's a couple uh, sermons I've done on, on gospel-centered worship. I know when I was at Harvest Lakeshore, which was a, a plant of Harvest Bible Chapel, um, I, I preached there on worship. So, yeah, but I mean, Facebook any you can contact me any anywhere through that or uh through the, the church's website nick stanton thank you so much for joining us today on this special yeah thanks for having me uh, special sunday edition podcast